Um, yeah, whether you're watching online or in person, it's so great to have you here. Um, yeah, so the Bible reading tonight comes from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. If you're reading from the church Bibles, it's on page uh, 1172. And I'll give you a moment to pop it up on your phone if you'd like. Perfect. So it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have never stopped giving thanks for you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incompatible great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which, in, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I'm just going to invite Mark up as he comes to speak. If you guys want to bow your heads as we pray, that would be awesome. Hey God, we want to thank you that we are able to gather as a family tonight and brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and we welcome your spirit to move in this space. May we be set on fire and alert and ready for you to speak to us tonight, God, and speak through Mark, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Thank you, God, that you alone are the leader and source of everything needed in our world, our church, and our lives. Lord, remind us and help us to come to you first through all that we encounter. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into this relationship and family through the death and resurrection of your perfect son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you know each and every one of our stories to great detail. You know the baggage that we bear and the past that we still hold. Thank you, God, that you never leave or forsake us no, what, no matter what we've encountered or experienced before. Thank you, Father, that through all that we've experienced and encountered, you still know and adore us in an uncomparably way. Father, th help us, Father, help our hearts be aligned and set towards you, that we may serve as your hands and feet and be alert and ready to watch you move and work in the world around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you have done in our lives and what you are doing and what you're about to do. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. I reckon we could go home after that prayer, Ariana. Very encouraging. Great to see you tonight if uh, you are new or visiting and uh, obviously for those online as well, we uh, great to see you all. Um, as introduced uh, a little bit earlier uh, by Tom and Ariana, I'm Mark. And a great privilege of being on the ministry team here at Q, but also uh, being able to, with my wife, Amy, uh, be able to manage the Q student residence, which, as Tom uh, talked about earlier, is a student accommodation which is sort of pretty much attached to this property, and we're about 50 uh, students. We've got a, pretty much a full house at the moment after the semester break, which is great. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was able to share and, and talk about 
about a story uh, from when I was traveling. Unfortunately, at the moment, we're not able to travel as much. So I was been reflecting on some of my overseas trips back uh, a few years back. And uh, so there's a bit of a travel flex, but I'm going to uh, talk about this uh, time again that I had. It was probably about 12, 13 years ago now. I had a good mate of mine. Uh, his name was Steve. And Steve uh, was over in LA and he was working at a place called the Dream Centre. He was working as a teacher with at-risk kids. Uh, he was sort of working nine to three most days. I went over there for about uh, a bit over a week and I was, uh, this church, they were very active in the community. Lots of programs uh, that they were doing in, uh, in the city uh, with people who were homeless, struggling, living uh, rough and, and a lot of programs of food and, and, and as well going into households and into areas as well, uh, offering pastoral care, offering practical help, praying with people and it was great to be a part of that program and most days about three, four o'clock Steve would finish and then uh, I'd hang out with him. Um, most of the day these programs were just sort of in the morning so I had sort of two or three hours where it was just free time and I got to know a lot of the other travellers as well who were part of these programs. There was a couple of Aussie guys that I became mates with. Um, these guys were from Central Coast, New South Wales, surfers and these guys were all larrikans and most afternoons before Steve had finished uh, we'd sort of find a footy or a soccer ball or something and just kick it and just muck around sort of on site. And this one day I was with uh, these two other Aussie guys and there was heaps of people sort of out and about just chatting and hanging out and we're outside and, and this, this leader who was from the Dream Centre in LA, he was one of the, the church leaders, he came up to me and he stood this far away from my face and he says, I want to talk to you, you boys, about your attitude and I, my heart sunk. I was like, oh, I'm representing my church over here at the Dream Centre, uh, here to serve God, and, and something that he's noticed. I've obviously been a bit of a fool. I've done something. And uh, he said, about your attitude, I want you boys to know that I like it. <laughs> what a way to encourage someone. So intimidating. And he walked off and said, keep it up, boys keep it up and uh man tell you what you know, that that experience was uh yeah quite different you know i, I really my heart sunk because i thought i was being a, a bit of a goose or, or foolish in some ways uh i'll never forget the way that guy encouraged uh me and i definitely don't use that to encourage others um i don't know about you but i spend uh, time often worrying about what others think of me it can make me quite distracted, fixated. Uh, you know what? That's not the way we're meant to live our lives. This series uh, that we're doing and that we're in the middle of, or just at the start of actually, uh, in the book of Ephesians called Your Place in God's Plan. It's a great start for many of us. A reminder of keeping the main thing the main thing. This section of Paul's letter that you heard Oriana uh, read of, few minutes ago is a reminder to the church because Paul likes their attitude. He likes what's going on at this church and there's something for us tonight. So at the start from verse uh, 15, it says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul notices these guys. They're doing something well. He wants them to know that. He wants them to say, I've 
I've noticed you guys around. I, I like your attitude. He's taken time to write to them. He hasn't left it to someone else. He has taken that. He's invested. He's genuine. He's got something he wants the church to know. This is not only an encouragement to them at the time, and as he writes this letter, this encouragement, but this is a great encouragement for us 2,000 years later. What is it? What is he encouraging them? What is he wanting to say? What has he noticed? See, in Paul's other letters, and he writes a lot, he writes one to the Galatians, and he says, let us not grow weary in doing good. It's a very similar theme even to this church. He's aware that God's people can lose focus, that we can get distracted. We can start to think about what other things are important. Even the early church, we know that they faced much persecution. There was death um, in their ranks, and there was lots of, uh, lots of stuff happening. And they were having to navigate through this. Paul is very focused on this community of believers. He's very fond of them, but he really wants them to make sure the main thing is the main thing. He wants them to keep going. You might want to know, well, what is this main thing? What is it that he'd heard? What did he see? What were people talking about this church that he wanted to encourage them about? First thing, he notices they are a praying people. Paul is encouraged by them that prayer is foundational for this church. For a growing Christian life, this is our foundation. The life of a faith-filled person, the life of a faith-filled Christian community is that we pray that we are connected to God. You might be thinking, well, this isn't groundbreaking, Mark. I've heard this before, bought the T-shirt. You know, I don't want another sermon that guilts me, thinking that I need to pray more. But this letter is the opposite to, for Paul to make that church feel guilted into praying. Paul models in this letter a prayer to this group of people, this intimacy with Jesus that Paul has himself, this life of faith, this conversation that he has with the Creator. Prayer is not just an optional extra that we tack on to the end. We are a praying people. A Christian life is connected to God. We're in tune with Him. Paul says that about the church at Ephesus, I have heard. This, the group of people are known. They are known for their faith. They are committed, they are connected, they are in communion with Jesus. And speaking of communion, we are going to be doing that tonight, a little bit later. And for those online, it's your opportunity to quickly duck off and grab some bread and juice. You can quickly do that now uh, if you need to. But communion is a great time to commune with God. It's a great time to open, potentially, maybe for the first time or, the, or potentially for a time because you haven't done it for a while, a time to pray, to know him better. You know what, maybe for the last few weeks with lockdowns and this uh, staggering of life that we, we sort of live, we can get a bit lost. Maybe it's something you haven't done for a while, talk to God. Maybe it's something you haven't done before. Well, we're going to have that opportunity a little bit later as we share communion tonight. Additionally, uh, in the next passage, next part of this passage that you heard read uh, a little bit earlier, Paul shows that we can go to God to grow deeper in our faith, that we can actually go to God to grow deeper. We can actually do something which is often scary. 
which is change. We can become more Christ-like. It says, the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Who here wants to know him better? And it says then in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He says that happens through wisdom and revelation. Why? Why does that matter? Why do we want to change? Why do we want to uh, grow in in our wisdom and, and, and revelation and have our heart enlightened? Because we can enjoy a fuller understanding of our Heavenly Father. We can enjoy fullness of understanding. And this is prayers, Paul prayer for the people. It's an interceding prayer. It's a prayer specifically for wisdom. And this is not the first time he's done this. He's done this as well in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. He says to that church, to God's people again, this community of believers, it's important. This is not just to the church at Ephesus. He says to them in Colossians, for this reason, since the day we heard about you. We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And then he also says this in the book of uh, Philippians in chapter 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer. The start of the chapters, he likes to say this at the start of his chapters, start of his letters. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be able to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. There's similar themes there. This word wisdom, we can often associate with age, that we could be sitting there tonight, we could be at home uh, watching online thinking, oh, you know, I'll be wise once my hair goes grey or once I've had kids or once I'm a grandparent. That's what wisdom means. You know what? That's not always helpful. You know, for someone uh, today that I stand here and I would say that I that I've endured um, you know, almost 20 years as a Christian. And I would say that I've experienced uh, things good and bad. But it's not always those that are older than me that I've learned to draw wisdom from. There's many that I seek wisdom from that are younger than me. And it's more than just head knowledge as well. It's the ability to take theological truth and apply them to everyday situation. Wisdom manifests in attributes that are pure, peaceful, gentle, full of mercy and an unwavering faith. Paul also prays that the church would have a spirit of revelation. And this is not separate to wisdom. This is parallel. Revelation, you might ask, what does that mean? Well, it has to do with grasping or understanding of the truth of Scripture and the very nature of Christ. In other words, that we might be given the capacity of spiritual discernment. Wisdom and revelation. This is important. Through both wisdom and understanding, revelation, we enjoy a fuller understanding of our Heavenly Father. Again, I'll ask you that question. Who here doesn't want a fuller understanding of our Heavenly Father? Who doesn't want a more fullness experience of of Christ Jesus? A A fuller life. The final section of this passage 
in the book of Ephesians, Paul prays that the church would know with their innermost being three spiritual truths that form the core of their faith. Let's examine these tonight. Number one, that they, or we, will personalise this tonight, might know the hope of God's calling. Paul actually expands around this whole idea, this hope of God's calling, the fact that we are called by God. And this whole uh, calling, there's so much in that, and there's a big section in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. And in a few weeks' time, someone else will be doing that, and uh, I'm going to encourage you to tune in for that one. Um, But it's important, and Paul talks about it here, the hope of God's calling. But number two, that they or we might appreciate the inheritance we have as God's people, our adoption to sonship and daughtership. Amy talked about this a few weeks back, which is those first 15 verses of Ephesians 1. This inheritance that God has given us as people of God, salvation through the person and work of Jesus, means that we have received a down payment by the indwelling Spirit. And three, the power, this is, and I've talked about this a bit tonight, to see change. The power to see change in us. The power to see change in and through our lives. This power, which is God's power, to accomplish so much in our lives, so much more in our lives, because that same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heaven is working in us. But firstly, are we willing to change? The thing is, God's abilities, His power, are on a completely different plane than anything that we could ever accomplish ourselves. And we need that. We need God's power. Do you want more of this in your life? I know you may think, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for this. I need to prove myself first. I need to earn my way. I'm not worthy. God can't use me. Surely. Our, uh, my sons, they were excited this week because their, their footy program was back on. Now I had a big chance to get back out there and play footy with their, with their uh, mates and, and be a part of that. And they're really looking forward to that. And we were talking to the boys about this. And, and one of my boys said, look, I, I want to prove that I'm worthy. And, oh, Amy and I were like, well, that just, that's not, our heart's broke for that. It was an opportunity then to speak into, into his life and just encourage his self-worth and talk that he, he doesn't need to prove that he's worthy by playing sport. Doesn't, that doesn't come from there. But it came out of his mouth and it broke our hearts that our son was feeling that way. And I, as I was reflecting and, and able to speak into his life, it made me think and I, I was able to just lean into that for a little while and just think about that from my perspective. But maybe as adults, we maybe not say that as bluntly as that. Maybe, But are we on the playing field of life, trying to prove ourselves in some way, trying to prove our worth? It could be in social settings. Maybe it's uni. Maybe it's in, at work, trying to get the best grades, trying to get that promotion or be noticed. We can fall into the trap that we so desperately want to be seen. We want to be recognized. We want to be acknowledged. If it's by our bosses, by our peers, we do sometimes live our lives trying to prove that we 
are worthy. Why do we do this? Why do we become fixated focused? Why do we allow this to take us off what the main thing is? To prove our worth, it distracts us. We become focused on this, wanting to prove our worth. And we miss the fact that our worth is based on what Christ has already done. That need, where does that come from? He has made us worthy. Knowing God is all we need. I know there are times that that we may feel we aren't worthy to speak to God and we feel maybe guilty. We feel that we've allowed sin to take us to places that we don't want to be, leaving us ashamed, second-guessing ourselves, even our own salvation, our, our standing with Christ. Let me tell you that there is nothing you have done that can separate you from God's love, the power of his love, the fact that you are called by God, that you have an inheritance, you are adopted as his son, as his daughter, when you open your heart to him. And I encourage, even as we use this as a chance to do this tonight, as we come around the communion table, your life, however lost you might feel, however unworthy you may feel, even tonight or if you're at home, there is nothing compared to the power of God. There's nothing compared to his great love. This power seen in the resurrected, victorious King Jesus, who defeated death, who defeated sin, so we would know him, so we could no longer be separated. It's a great starting place to commit our hearts before him, that we are people who are willing to change. Remember that God's power is best displayed through our weaknesses through our vulnerability, through our honesty. Admit our weaknesses before God. Where are you coming up short and possibly looking for affirmation from others? I'll ask you again. Is there somewhere where you're coming up short, looking to to be affirmed by others? It might be an unhealthy need for this approval from others. You're wanting to earn this, to feel in some way worthy. And we're going to, like I said, to have communion in a second. Well, this is a time where we can come before God. And as Paul says in his prayer, that the eyes of our heart be enlightened. In other words, let the light of Christ in. Just let him in. Just open your mouth and just ask. Say, God, maybe some of this stuff that, uh, that's come before you and me, I just come before you and I ask, say sorry. God, I don't want to be separated from you anymore. I don't want to feel that I need to earn my way to you. Use this as a time to really examine your life, a time to reflect before God, a chance to talk to Jesus as we eat the bread tonight, the bread which symbolizes Christ's body, which was hung up for the world to see on a cross, a vision of what humanity is like, which, is set, which can be separated from God, Jesus' body, which was bruised, broken, and wounded. As we drink the juice tonight, it symbolizes his blood, which was shed, his life, a sin sacrifice. This act that Jesus, we see on the cross, this moment in time, was a demonstration of how much God loves us. That he would allow Jesus to die a brutal death so that we would be set right, that, so that we would be reconciled to our Father, that we would be worthy. 
and three days later, rise again, defeat death and conquer death forever. Therefore, because of Jesus, his death and resurrection, we can have peace with God. We are welcomed into his family. Because of that, we can eat and drink. We are worthy to celebrate this, of what he's done for us. So tonight, and I will ask our worship team to come back up. We're going to play for for us and uh, those who have been asked to take communion. If you could come forward, um, uh, that would be great if you could do that.